Gift Biz Unwrapped, a very special episode, number 21. I desire you should remember the ladies. I wanted women to have the vote, you see. It was a most revolutionary thought. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, I'm Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar store, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today we have a very, very special episode, and I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Just listen on. It is my true honor to introduce to you today, Rebecca Bloomfield. Rebecca is a partner in Jerry S. Pearlstein Insurance Limited. The agency is unique in a few ways. First of all, Rebecca and Jerry are partners in more ways than one. They are married. Secondly, the agency was formed almost 14 years ago to provide health, life, long-term care, and disability insurance to people who don't work for a company providing those benefits. Their mission is to be the benefits help desk for people who have none. Today, their clients are entrepreneurs and independent contractors. They're the people most impacted by the Affordable Care Act. Rebecca and Jerry have become experts in helping hundreds to get the most out of the benefits that the current act now offers. Finally, Rebecca holds a national certification in long-term care. It's clear to her that the number of boomers and the health care available to them represents a revolutionary challenge in how to finance a life that can last 100 years or more. It takes knowing who pays for what in long-term care and planning on how to provide a cash flow from 35 to 105. That word revolutionary brings us to a unique version of the program today. Rebecca Bloomfield is also an actor and playwright who has created works based on the lives of women in history. Her play, The Revolutionary Mrs. Adams, toured the United States and the United Kingdom. As Abigail Adams, she performed at the White House and the Ford, Johnson, and Hoover Presidential Libraries. I've seen one of Rebecca's portrayals, and it is powerful and inspirational. I am so honored that she's willing to share with us today. Too often, the women who supported the founding of our country are overlooked. Many of us today are entrepreneurs creating businesses and not-for-profits. Imagine trying to create an entire country. So today, I proudly welcome to the program the first woman to live in the White House, former First Lady Abigail Adams. Welcome to the show, Mrs. Adams. Good day to you, Mistress Monheit. I understand our conversation will be from the perspective of woman as entrepreneur. Bravo! It is rarely, if ever, recognized that the founders of our country were not supported in that endeavor by noble birth or wealth, nor were they all men of means like trader John Hancock or the plantation owners of the South. No, indeed, they were working men. And if they were meeting and not working, it was the industry, ingenuity, and the courage of their wives who ran the farms and shops that kept their families provided and their taxes paid. As our listeners know, Mrs. Adams, we align the conversation around the life of a motivational candle. 
The light shines on you while you share your stories and experiences. So, Mrs. Adams, shall we light it up? Why, yes. Go right ahead, Sue. Tell us, please, what color is your candle? Oh, dear. Color. You know, I made my own candles. The virtue of a candle was not in its color, but whether it could cast its light for a long period of time, how cleanly and clearly it burned, and without smoke. I believe these, perhaps, being constant, being clear, and not giving smoke out is probably inspiration for what a person should be. And you know, it brings us back because we don't really think about candles of yesteryear. We think about candles of today. So that's a wonderful description to let us understand the life and the times that you lived in. What's the motivational quote on your candle? Ah, the quote on my candle. Well, you see, the year I was born, there was a poem written by a poet named James Thompson. He wrote a poem called The Seasons, and my quote would come from that poem. My father was a Congregationalist minister, William Smith, First Parish, Weymouth, Colony of Massachusetts, and he spoke out of Ecclesiastes often for everything there is a season. But when Mr. Thompson wrote of the seasons, he said one must expect seasons of earthly sadness. And here is my quote, in the depths of grief are the seeds of hope. In the depths of grief are the seeds of hope. And that has been my inspiration since I was a child. And what does that mean to you? Oh, there were times in my life where One didn't know what was coming forward. And I had to believe that by a constancy, by believing that we were doing well and that I was in the struggle well, that things would come round right. And they did. For the most part, they did. Because you listened to your inspirational quote. Yes. In the depths of grief are the seeds of hope. Mrs. Adams, let's go back to the beginning. Tell us the story of how you got the inspiration that led you to support the revolutionary cause. Oh, I don't know that it was inspiration. More education. And it was in the manner of being inspired by Mr. Thompson's quote. You see, I was not sent to any school. My sisters went four miles away to the nearest girls' school, but I was considered too frail. And I had to stay home and learn my sums, my reading and writing at my mother's kitchen table. I was in such grief about that. But once I learned to read, my fathers and grandfathers opened their libraries to me. It was a world not usually presented to a young woman. History, geography, philosophy, pamphlets from all manner of reformers. I read what the gentlemen of the day were reading. And often when I would bring tea to the men in the library, I would find a small corner to sit and listen to their debates. I learned so much. They were so bright, including one, John Adams. So not only was I inspired to join the revolution, but I was given a partner in that revolutionary pursuit, my dearest friend, John Adams. 
So really, you not being able to go to school with your siblings really led to actually a much better education. You're getting the value from the history books and then, of course, meeting your spouse. Yes, yes, most definitely. So Gift Biz listeners, if ever you're feeling like you're in a situation where you are not be not proving your skills, but you know that they're there or someone possibly has told you something that was negative that you knew not to be true. Don't necessarily listen to that. Take advantage of what you have in front of you to overcome. Mrs. Adams, along the way, I am sure there were struggles. Your road wasn't always easy. That is for sure. Take us to a challenging time. What happened and how did you overcome? October. 1775. John was at the Second Continental Congress. I had wished to go to Philadelphia to be upon the stage of action there myself, but I was the one who had to stay behind and make sure that the farm supported myself and the four children and had enough crops to sell to pay the taxes. And so I was at home when a dysentery epidemic spread through our area. My mother nursed me and the children until I could rise from my bed, and then she took to her. She died October 1st, and I began what I called my morbid debate. I was ill still and weak in mind and heart. And my mother had been such a strong presence, the wife of a minister, a perfect Christian. You know, when she died, she was so praised that the words are buried in the ground because they could not fit them on the tombstone. But here I was, a woman who did not want to be loyal to husband, king, and God, did not wish to bend knee in that way, wished to study politics, read rebellion. Now, the preachers of the time said a woman's body gives purpose to her life. But surely God had given me my mind. Where, where was I to be? This debate went on until March of 1776, when Mr. Adams returned home from a break in the proceedings at the Congress. He said, I I shone as stateswoman as well as farmeress, and he thought my maxims of state very apropos. He called me the best of all wives, and so I began to send him ideas for laws in the new country that we would propose. And I actually sent him a letter that said, in the new code of laws, which I suppose it will be necessary for you to make, I desire you should remember the ladies. I wanted women to have the vote, you see. It was a most revolutionary thought. And he sounded receptive to that. Oh, no. He said that it would bring men under the despotism of the petticoat. Can you imagine? No, I can't imagine. But it was true that two of the states did give women the vote under the Articles of the Confederation, unfortunately. They took it back in 1787 when the new Constitution came about. But you were still sending him letters of things that you felt were important of the day, and for the most part, he was listening to you. 
Oh, yes. And then he sent George Washington to visit me. I dined with Dr. Benjamin Franklin. My husband was not quiet in his pride of his wife, and it pleased me greatly. Do you think you would have been able to accomplish everything you did without having that support? No, no, not at all. And not just John's. You see, I wrote letters. Letters were most important connection. I had two wonderful sisters and I could write to them about my loneliness when John was gone and and practical matters in the house about what to do about a sick cow or a sick child. And I had a friend, Mercy Otis Warren. She was quite a learned lady, corresponding often with women in England who wished the vote for women there. And we debated often about what our new country would look like. She wrote a history of the colony of Massachusetts. And I learned so many interesting things from the copies of documents that she sent me. She was a wonderful friend and let my mind be exercised even after a long day of my body working hard. Share with us, Mrs. Adams, some of the events that made a difference in how you supported the revolution and perhaps changed the way you made a difference. When independence was declared July 4th, 1776, I believe John would return home to Brantree, Massachusetts to be lawyer, farmer, father, husband again. Instead, just three weeks later, three weeks after his return, Congress decided they needed a minister at the court of France, and John Adams Esquire was elected. He left and took my eldest son, only 11, with him. And now, letters were so hard to get through, they were lost. They were stolen. They sank in ships. I did not have that connection with my support and my husband that I had, and I became angry. I chastised him for abusing me so by not writing back to me. And he wrote to me that if I continued to write in that manner, he would cease writing to me at all. He said it killed him. And so I had to find a way to speak my mind to make my connections, to get my support by myself. I became unashamed to write to members of the Congress. I was more outspoken. I wrote letter after letter when I had to. I was more persistent in my ideas of the directions we had to go in. And I was more supporter of people that I heard had joined us. I wrote thank you letters, and I wrote chastising letters. I became an entity in myself in a way I had never thought possible. Years later, when I was first lady, the wife of the president, it came to the attention of the press that I continued this practice, and they called me Madam President, and not kindly, neither. Where did you get that bravery and courage to speak out so strongly when your sole supporter was no longer able to communicate with you? 
Well, that's an interesting question, Sue. I really don't know. I had always been outspoken. When I was 17, and Mr. Adams and I were courting, and he was a young lawyer riding the circuit, and we wrote letters. I wrote to him that I thought men and women were cast of the same mold, that they both had an equal quantity of steel, that the same cause would have provoked the same effect in both. So even when I was 16, I had these ideas, and when I thought I had an ear, was not averse to expressing myself. Perhaps a bit of devil in me, don't you think? I venture to say not based on how it turned out. But a question for you. Did other women of the time also view the same way you did and just were too fearful to voice it? Well, I believe so. Certainly women that I know and who came to talk to me often did it quietly and and often came for tea rather than even putting their thoughts Um, Down on paper, you know, we were not so far away in Massachusetts of witch trials, and outspoken women were not treated very well. And besides being in danger, you know that speaking against the king was treason, and that men and women could be hung for that reason. And as for women expressing their opinion, I believe it was dangerous to do so. Truly, it had to be coming from the heart and the soul, and you were committed that this is what needed to be done, because you did put yourself highly at risk. Yes, I did. I even made bullets at my kitchen table, melted down my pewter, and poured molds. And we did it because we believed that the country needed to exist where all men and women were free and not under the thumb of born to royalty. Well, I know that not every colonist supported the revolution, and those that did had to keep the faith for a very long time. How did you get people to stay loyal to the struggle? As I said, it was always through letters. Thank you letters, admonition letters. I found a way, even in an admonition to somebody, to bolster them, to keep them going. And I believe that the fact that I was a farmeress in a salt box cottage at the foot of Penn's Hill, just as they were, not a grand lady, that my words and my actions meant something as an example to keep them in the struggle. God bless them all. Yes, God bless them all. And in today's language, we would use the term credibility that because you were very much like them, they could relate to you and you provided a lot of credibility, which then allowed people to follow you because they believed in you and they trusted you because you were very much like them. Yes, I believe that is so. Good word, credibility. Mrs. Adams, we are going to move on to the reflection section of our chat today. What is one natural trait that you have that has helped you to succeed? Hmm. I love to learn, and I believe in learning there is always inspiration to compare, to have a new perspective brought forward, and that is rejuvenating to me, even in my older life, 
to read, to learn something new, to meet someone new gives me new life. And that all started way back when you were little, reading from the library in your parents' house. Yes, there I was, hiding from my mother up in a tree, 12 years old. Abigail, young women, do not climb trees, she would say. And I would have to come in and do some hateful chore. But yes, it started back then. What tool or type of activity do you do that keeps you productive or creates balance in your life? I write. I do not write a journal as such. Some women that I knew, Mercy Otis Warren, keeps a fine journal which she can access and share, but I write letters. Letters are my most constant link to the rest of the world. One day when I was traveling not far within 40 miles of Brantree, I visited the house of a woman that I had corresponded with, and she had a special room with a small desk, a room of her own in which she could write. I envied her all my days because I often had to write at my kitchen table or huddled close to the fire. But writing those letters gives me connection And that is what I love to do the best. Writing and then, of course, reading. You've talked about how valuable books are to you. I'm very curious. Is there one particular book that you've read that you think has impacted you the most? After the Declaration of Independence was signed, I followed John to Europe. I had never been more than 40 miles from the Society of Brantree, and there I was in the courts of kings and queens. And we were there until the new constitution was written and the first election for the United States of America was held. And we came back and I was thrilled and still am thrilled to read the Constitution of the United States of America, the preamble, so wonderful to come from the people themselves, to know that our highest ideal, although we may not always rise to it, is for the common defense and the common wealth, health, happiness of the people themselves. I say that all people on July 4th, where John said there should be parades and fireworks, and there are, but you should pull out a copy of that Constitution. You should read it. You should see what the founders had in mind to establish and keep a wonderful country of the people, by the people, and for the people. Very powerful. And I will challenge all of our listeners today that just as you're listening to us, I bet you that Constitution is on an audiobook right now. I've teamed up with Audible for you all to be able to read the Constitution or any other book you would choose for free. All you need to do is go to giftbizbook.com and make a selection. Mrs. Adams, we're winding down into our final minutes now, and I want to give you a special gift. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. This is your dream or goal of almost unreachable heights that you'd wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside? Oh, inside is the vote for women. 
inside is our ability to form our country and our lives with our vote, perhaps even to hold office ourselves and be in those rooms where the decisions that affect the lives of the citizens are made. That would be the greatest gift of all. That would be. And I'd like to give you the gift of being able to foresee in the future and having that come true. Mrs. Adams, thank you so much. Your conversation today has been so informative and so interesting for the women entrepreneurs of today. I'd like you to sit back for just a second, and I'm going to jump over to Rebecca now. Rebecca, I'd like to do the same thing with you. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. This is your dream or goal of almost unreachable heights that you'd wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Well, first, Sue, thank you very much for the gift of being able to bring Mrs. Adams to you. It is such a joy to me always. She has been such an inspiration in my life. And the gift that I would look for in the box Although women have the vote and they can run for office, I'm afraid that some attitudes still are in place where women don't make decisions for themselves in a financial way that they really have the power and should take the responsibility to do. So I would have in that box the gift of a life insurance policy that includes payment for long-term care for every woman so that when she is living her long and wonderful life, she has her own independent means. And at the end of her life, when she's taken care of everyone else, she has the means to take care of herself. I've said before, I think it's a revolution that we're seeing in this country with people so long lived. It's a situation, a challenge for us to meet. And I would wish that women would begin to take the step to meet that challenge. And you are working on that goal with your business every day. Every day. That's exactly what we're doing. Rebecca, how could our listeners get in touch with you? Well, we do have a website, jperlsteinltd.com. You can reach me at rbloomfield at jperlsteinltd.com and 847-362-8888. I love the conversations. And Gift Biz listeners, as you know, you can jump over to giftbizunwrap.com where you'll find the show notes page. And I will be sharing with you points of all of the specific information that Mrs. Adams has been talking with us about today. Thank you so much, Mrs. Adams and Rebecca, for all the valuable information, your journey, and the insights that you've shared. And may your candles always burn bright. Thank you, Sue. Learn how to work smarter while developing and growing your business. Download our guide called 25 Free Tools to Enhance Your Business and Life. It's our gift to you and available at giftbizunwrap.com slash tools. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by the Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a Happy Birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. 
It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. Would you like to be on the show? Or do you know someone who can provide valuable insight from their experiences? If so, we'd love to hear from you. All you need to do is submit a form for consideration. You can access the form at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash guest. That's giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash G-U-E-S-T. 